Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton and Kevin L. Jackson here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Kevin, how you doing? Good morning. But you know, um, last night I was uh, I drove up to Baltimore and then I was I was driving home and yeah. I had to turn my heater on. It got cold. <laughs> What's happening? What's happening? Man. That is welcome news. That is a welcome <laughs> development, Kevin. I don't know. I don't like cold weather. No? No. Well, hey, whenever you're ready, yeah, you, you can make it. They got this thing called, <laughs> this stuff called snow. I know y'all, y'all, y'all never hear that down there. <laughs> we, uh, we, we can't handle any precipitation too well down here in the south, Kevin. But anytime you're ready to come on down and have a milder winter, you have an open invitation to join us in, thank in Metro you, Atlanta. Thank you. I'll, I will take you up on that deal. Well, uh, but all of that aside, today, folks, is the Supply Chain Buzz, where we share some of the leading stories from across global business. It's the Digital Transformers edition of the Buzz today. We're going to be talking about a variety of topics, and folks, get ready because we want to hear from you as well. So uh, let us know your take on some of these stories that we're going to be working through. And Kevin, yes. we've got no shortage of things to talk about today, right? You know what? I'm going to declare this month Digital Transformers Month. Okay. Because we have this show. I'm going to be on the 17th. We have our regular show after that. And the next Digital Transformers will drop. Man, it is going to be a busy month. Uh, do you have... You got some clones working this month, Kevin? Hey, you know, we try. <laughs> True digital <laughs> transformation. Okay. Well, uh, folks, what we want to do, we're going to say hello to a few folks in just a minute. I see Jonathan and T-Squared already uh, in here with us. Uh, big thanks to – we do. Uh, big thanks to the production team, of course, helping make things happen, Chantel, Catherine, and Amanda. But let's share a few events to get going here today, Kevin. Uh, we want to invite folks – Kevin, to join us at our next webinar uh, tomorrow, October 11th. It's hard to believe it's already the 11th of October, 2 p.m. Eastern time, special time. We're going to be talking about why a probabilistic approach is better to manage uncertainty when it comes to forecasting. Kevin, have you ever heard of a probabilistic forecasting? Probable. <laughs> yeah, that's right there next to what, Monte Carlo simulation. Right. <laughs> hey, we're going to find out tomorrow. For me, it's tough enough to say probabilistic, uh, you know. I'm not going to practice. <laughs> well, folks, join us tomorrow, special time, 2 p.m. Eastern time, as we invite our friends from North Fine Management and Tools Group uh, for that uh, webinar. Then coming up Thursday, also a special time, um, 11.30 a.m. Eastern time, we're going to be talking about how finance and commercial teams are collaborating to improve global supply chain. So join us there as we bring in folks from Electric Case and our friends at Enable. Kevin, hey. it, it, collaboration is is not a nice to have table stakes these days amongst these functional uh, areas of an organization, right? Well, it's it's, it's minimal. You know, I, I really like the term co-creation. Right. 
together, when you're working together, I think it's much better than collaborate. Okay. Co-creation. I like it. I'm going to steal that from you. Uh, <laughs> hope I don't owe you any, any commissions there, licenses or what have you, but Hey, uh, kidding aside folks on October 18th. So that's next a week from tomorrow, right? Tuesday, October 18th at 11 a.m. Eastern time. It's our next planning session for our ongoing leveraging logistics for Ukraine initiative. Now, Kevin, we got updated numbers as of a couple of days ago. Oh, okay. And there have been over 500,000 pounds of vetted humanitarian aid make its way to Ukraine, Poland, and the region for folks in need. How about that? Wow, wow. That's, it's really making a difference. I'm real, you know, that leveraging logistics is making a difference. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And we couldn't do it, of course. Our, our fearless leaders there, Vector Global Logistics, Enrique, Christy, Maureen, that whole team. But they've really built a, a global community that's all helping out. Some folks are bringing information. Other folks are bringing supplies. Other folks are bringing, you know, logistics and what have you. But, hey, show up on the 18th at 11 a.m. just to kind of um, piece it all together. Uh, so you know, whether you come to network or you come to learn or you come to even give, you name it, you know, no matter, just come and join us on the 18th at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Hey, you know, um, sorry to interrupt you there, but uh, do you know what today is? Uh, beyond October 10th, I do not. It is Indigenous Peoples Day. Did you know that? I didn't. Hey, I learned something new every hour I spend with you, Kevin. <laughs> so it's also known as Columbus Day. It's supposed to be a federal holiday. I don't know why I'm working. But <laughs> today is Indigenous Peoples Day. And this is when we honor the sovereignty, resilience, and immense contributions that Native Americans have made to mm. the world. And we recommit as individuals and as a nation to upholding our solemn trust and treaty responsibilities to tribal nations that strengthen our nation-to-nation -nation ties. I mean, there are multiple tribal nations that exist, and, and it's really important to, to recognize this day and the culture uh, of uh, uh, indigenous people. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, completely agree. Uh, Helena says she did know that, Kevin. <laughs> Uh, Indigenous Peoples Day. So, but I, what I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that because um, we should absolutely honor and lift up their contributions. You know, we wouldn't be here in so many different ways mm -hmm. without having, you know, working together. So I really appreciate you mentioning that, that on the front end. And we'll look for some practical ways of, of celebrating this special day. Great. All right. So before we get into the news, some of the news of the day, I'm just going to share, say hello to a few folks. Jonathan is back with us from Louisiana. Uh, good morning to you. Hope you had a great weekend, Jonathan, and look forward to your perspective here today. T-Squared is going back and talking weather, Kevin. He says oh. it's called <laughs> the fall slap, Kevin. <laughs> when you're driving, you so to get, you know, uh, <laughs> that cold smack slap, in the face. smack in the face. <laughs> and he, he get, also says Baltimore has trick weather all the time. <laughs> Love that. Thank you for holding down the fort for us over at YouTube T squared. Catherine, happy buzz day. Uh, that's that. It's also buzz day here today. So great to have you, Catherine. Appreciate what you and Chantel and Amanda do back behind the scenes. Hey, Jason Hopkins is back with us. So Kevin, uh, last week we found out from Jason that he moved back to Alabama from DC. 
Um, he's a big Tide fan, which we already knew the Alabama Crimson Tide. But Kevin, he he brought in a new addition to the family. Oh wow! Congratulations. And Jason, I cannot remember your newborn's name, so refresh our memory there. Joey, hey hey, good morning to you. Uh, uh, Joey hails from Minnesota, I believe. Kevin, Skull. speaking of, yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> your <laughs> our heads and minds go to the same spot. I bet it is cold up in Minnesota, Joey, but great to have you here today. And then finally, before we dive into the news today, hey, Jenny, Jenny Potsloff is here uh, with us today. Good morning from Madison, she says. Finally able to join live since my standing meeting moved today. That's good. And my Badgers won this weekend, so she's a big, of course, Wisconsin fan, Kevin. Well, you know, it's gets cold in Wisconsin, too. But what's more important... <laughs> is that right. the buzz has higher priority uh, than uh, that uh, standing meeting. I like that. <laughs> so uh, that's a great point, Kevin. And Jenny, <laughs> great to have you. Uh, I look forward to uh, another big week and appreciate all the work you do for industry and beyond. And then finally, Naveed, hey, good evening to you. Uh, Naveed Hills from Pakistan. He's tuned in with us via LinkedIn. Great to have you, Naveed. Uh, okay, folks, keep the comments coming. We want to hear from you as we work our way through um, four new stores we're going to be working our way uh, through on the buzz here today. And Kevin, are you ready to dive in? I want, I want to start here with this story Splash. here. That's right. Uh, <laughs> a, a supply chain slap, maybe, or a digital transformation slap. I don't know. But I want to start with, uh, you know, digital transformation, of course. is nothing new. It's been going on. Uh, organizations have been transforming a number of different ways. But it's created some vulnerabilities um, oh, yeah. across global organizations. So, Kevin, tell us more. Yeah, absolutely. So, a digital supply chain really is designed to provide visibility into the workings of the chain. But the supply and demand issues that we faced during the pandemic really revealed how fragile supply chains can be, especially with the increased threat of cyber attacks. Because everybody's working from home, no longer working at office, and organizations had really a, a, a challenge transitioning. And within uh, supply chain, technologies like embedded sensors and GPS and RFID really helped companies to transform and to and to flex uh, from the traditional supply chain structures into more agile, flexible, open, and, and collaborative digital models. But the connectivity itself has dramatically increased the vulnerabilities. It leaves uh, the chain and the factories uh, exposed to cybersecurity threats. Uh, a recent survey by Deloitte and the Manufacturers Alliance of Productivity and Innovation showed that 48% of the respondents identified operational risks like cybersecurity as the greatest danger to smart factory initiatives. Mm. And, you know, the, the um, uh, SCADA, uh, Supervisory Control and Data Acquisition Systems on, on all of these machines, they are just overexposed to the internet by all these remote desktop applications. And the FBI said that larger businesses are being targeted based upon their ability to pay higher ransom demands and smaller entities are soft targets. So, I mean, we really need to look at your cybersecurity when you're digitizing your processes. 
Yep. Agreed. And uh, you know, that FBI, um, so we're talking about this article from our friends at supply and demand chain executive and Kevin, your, one of your final notes there was exactly where my eyes went and with the FBI warning, uh, yes. whether you're large or small, no matter, everyone's going to get hit. It's just a matter of, of, of how you can mitigate the risk. Um, because to your point, the smaller businesses, uh, they're seen as as softer and easier targets. It may have less resources, but it could it could be easier to um, you know get something out of these smaller yeah. organizations. So, Kevin, it's a it's a scary time for global supply chains in some ways. The other thing you were talking about ransomware. The new the new wave now is ransomware as a service, where you don't even have to be technically adept to attack someone. You just hire. <laughs> just hire somebody to execute a ransomware attack for you. Mm. So if you if you haven't already, uh, and hopefully your organizations, any of our listeners are already proactively assembling teams and resources to mitigate the risk. But boy, if you haven't, um, get to work right away. So <laughs> thank you for sharing, uh, Kevin, on the first story here on The Buzz. Um, really quick, before I move to our next story, so Jason's daughter, newborn daughter, her name is Lyric. That's right. I forgot. Lyric, a song. I love that name. So, uh, Jason, congrats again. And I uh, can't wait to see how, uh, uh, what else she introduces as a parent uh, to all your responsibilities as the father of three and two daughters. Uh, it's a it's one of life's uh, best pleasures for sure. Um, Sanmith uh, is tuned in via LinkedIn from, is it Barry? Perhaps, Kevin? Uh Bari? So, well, regardless, uh, Sam, it's great to have you here. Looking forward to your perspective as we work our way through the supply chain buzz. And by the way, folks, so that it's right at your fingertips, our team has dropped that first article, and we'll drop each of these articles right there in the chat so y'all can check it it out for yourself. Okay, Kevin, are you Mm -hmm. ready to move to story number two? Yes, sir. We move fast around here, I tell you. (laughs) Uh, Well, this next story... Walmart continues to make big moves in its attempt at keeping up with what I'm calling the e-commerce Joneses. <laughs> the Joneses? <laughs> <laughs> the e-commerce Joneses. You know, Walmart, of course, it's a big player, but yeah, yeah. Um, we know the um, uh, the the big-time e-commerce player that starts with an A that they've been trying to better compete against, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so according to our friends over at Supply Chain Dive, last week, Kevin, Walmart announced that it had required alert innovation. Now, that's an e-grocery automation firm that makes customized inventory handling technology. So in a nutshell, they focus on building systems to store, retrieve, and dispense orders, really using all the latest technologies. And one of the core components in their platform is the use of robots that move, get this, omnidirectionally on their own. <laughs> so as I understand it, there's no pull, uh, there's no pulleys, there's no conveyors. Yeah. You know, they're really... Um, self-contained robots. They can move all wide variety of directions. It really cuts down on the space needed in a fulfillment center while speeding up order processing for customers. Now, that sounds like a great move, yeah. especially, Kevin, in urban fulfillment centers where space is usually expensive and limited. And uh, on a side note here, uh, we've got a great interview coming out on Wednesday, two days from now, with Mike Prince a very innovative and senior executive of Walmart. Uh, and, and on that episode, Kevin, Tony Shiroda 
with RLA and I, we dive into a variety of topics, including some of the really cool omni-channel things like this that Walmart is doing to better compete, to, to, to also drive customer experience, because that's one of the names of the game. Yes, yes. You know, um, I when I, I looked at that article, the thing that jumped out at me was the automated micro-fulfillment centers <laughs> that they're going to put uh, in all these stores. And it kind of reminded me of cloud computing. You know, when, when cloud computing started, it was all about huge centralized data centers um, mm. across, you know, square miles of, of land and these big buildings with, uh, here where I live in Manassas, all these buildings with no windows, uh, not owned by the government, started popping up and they were all data centers. And then as people started, uh, uh, the internet became more and more a part of our lives. They started transitioning from these big centralized data centers to more regional uh, data centers. So they got smaller, but but um, spread out across larger um, parts of, of the country. And I think mm. the same thing is happening with this fulfillment. They're going away from these huge centralized distribution centers to smaller distribution centers, to the little lockers that are now popping up in 7-Elevens. Yep. Agreed. Um, more, certainly a lot more nimbleness. Mm -hmm. um, but what's powering that, enabling that, as you know, is uh, better analytics, right? Yeah. Uh, better forecasting of what folks are going to be um, purchasing, right, based on uh, the area that these, these micro-fulfillment centers serve. So fascinating time for sure. Visibility, um, I think, is really important. Agreed. Agreed. Um, all right. So, and y'all stay tuned for that episode. Again, we're releasing that on Wednesday and I uh, really enjoyed Mike Prince's uh, perspective, uh, all the cool things he's been up to uh, over at Walmart. Uh, Dr. Rhonda, good morning to you. Great to see you here via LinkedIn. Uh, she's out in Arizona. Uh, Kevin, I bet it's a lot warmer where uh, Dr. Rhonda is. Kevin, what do you think? I think I'm going to go to Arizona instead of Atlanta. <laughs> Well, you know, that's that is where we first met. <laughs> yeah, it was. Scottsdale, I believe. Scottsdale. You and I sat down. Yes. Uh, met you and your wife and of course uh, our friend David and and um first his time organization. You put me on uh, camera. That <laughs> that's was right. a risk. <laughs> oh, you, you you successfully <laughs> mitigated that risk, Kevin. Uh, but Dr. Rhonda, kidding aside, great to have you here. Brian Shepard is tuned in from Cape Town. Hey, hope this finds you well, Brian. Great to have you here via LinkedIn. And finally, going back to the father thing, Jason says he's fortunate just to have one uh, child just yet. First time father, but uh, it's rewarding yes. and a lot of logistics, he says. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty. Getting that uh, supply chain knowledge in place. That's right. That is right. Okay. Uh, so we were just tech. Uh, talking about Walmart's recent acquisition. And again, we dropped that link in the chat there. Y'all can check that out and let us know what uh, what your take is on that story. Let's move over to talk manufacturing, Kevin. One of my favorite things to talk about. I love the manufacturing industry. Um, a lot of change so, they, there. A lot of change. Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, and in fact, this is going to be kind of a tale of two cities here in this report from the Wall Street Journal where they say the current environment is getting more challenging for 
many manufacturers here in the States. So the Institute of Supply Management, ISM, they put out um, a monthly report that really measures a variety of things, but especially focuses on manufacturing activity mm-hmm. and whether it's uh, expanding or contracting. Well, the September numbers came out last week, and it's still the manufacturing industry here in the States is still growing and expanding, but at a uh, smaller or at a um, slower pace than it has been. So there's a few factors at play. We'll hit a couple here. Interest rates, of course, have jumped up, which will decrease demand in the housing markets. And that's going to push a lot of new factory orders down, right? The housing industry drives a lot of manufacturing activity. And the export market is looking uh, less than rosy given the strong U.S. dollar, which might sound seem kind of counterintuitive, but the strong U.S. dollar and overseas economic challenges. So that's um, not helping our orders. But on the flip side, the mighty automotive sector, which is paramount to manufacturing activity. Kevin, there's some good news here. So demand has been strong. You know, heck, because folks can't get their hands on new cars, the used car market has really blown up in the last couple of years, right? Right, right. So demand's been, uh, demand's been strong. Chip supplies are finally catching up. That should lead to more sales and a lot less frozen fleets of new cars waiting for just that one final part before they're sold. Like many, <laughs> like Was many it other assets, a chip, a computer chip, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but like many other aspects of global business right now, you know, we've talked a lot about patio furniture. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a lot. Uh, Nike's been in the news for a, a ton of inventory here lately. I mean, so many businesses. Just like automotive industry, it's going to be working through plenty of inventory in the months to come. So, Kevin, your thoughts here about some of this manufacturing news? Well, you know, uh, one of the biggest transitions, and we talked about this before on the buzz, is transition from fossil fuels to electric vehicles. So, will um, all these cars that are waiting for parts, um, will they now not be able to be sold? Because like states like California are now mandating the transition to electric uh, vehicles, so uh, mm. maybe these fossil fuel vehicles the the they'll be you know used cars before they even get on the lot as new. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> maybe uh, you know what do you, yeah I, th- I think there's going to be a, a a big issue here. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, we'll see how all this plays out. You know, speaking of uh, computer chips, mm-hmm. uh, just two weeks ago, we covered uh, a new chip foundry uh, being announced in Utah. Oh, and yeah. I can't remember who, who was doing it, but it was a major investment. And just over the weekend, I saw, Kevin, that in the state of New York, they just announced a major, if one of the biggest investments uh, uh uh, here in recent news, I think Micron, I believe it was Micron yeah, they, that was uh, making that investment. They put a lot of money into that to, to build that that fab. I mean, we're yep. shifting from offshoring to onshoring, and there's some nearshoring going on in there too. But uh, this is this is all part of the dramatic shifts on the supply chain. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. You know, um, many view it as a national security issue in terms of how little chip production was, uh, was made here still in the States when, yep. you know, back in 1991 or so, I think 
Uh, the majority of the world's chips were still made in the U.S., if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but regardless, big investments, a number of big investments have been announced. And by the end of this decade, uh, we should see a whole different ball game in terms of um, uh, domestic sourcing of chips and chips. overall supply. Yeah. Now, Kevin, one last thought here about chips, because it's interesting uh, as chips have proliferated everything we touch. I mean, how long before there'll be a chip in our uh, water glasses that will be constantly monitoring <laughs> if the glass is half full or half empty? I mean, we're going to have more chips that, with whatever we want to do with them uh, in a couple of years, huh? I, I thought you were going to tell everybody about the chip you have implanted in your neck there. <laughs> Not today. I was going to save that for later. Um, but anyway, well, hey, so we're just touching on, see, that would have been story number three. Uh, about the manufacturing industry, one of my favorite sectors of global business to talk about. So y'all check that out. We did also drop the link uh, in the chat. All right. So Kevin, mm -hmm. that brings us, man, we're shooting, man, me and you are extremely efficient here today. I tell you what, we're going to slow down a bit and take <laughs> a breath, but let's talk about uh, how we're creating smarter supply chains for stronger performance and resilience. So Kevin, tell us more about uh, this news from our friends at IBM. Well, um, you know, we talked a little bit uh, about vulnerabilities when it came to um, uh, cybersecurity, right? But these over the past two years, uh, su supply chain vulnerabilities have been highlighted in virtual every sector and industry. Uh, and this demonstrates that even a small disruption in you know the, the supply chain, which is so intertwined and, and multifaceted, can really have dramatic effects. In fact, 93% of organizations have faced challenges associated with demand volatility. You know, uh, we always talk about every business, 100% businesses have uh, a supply chain, right? If you don't have a supply chain, you're not in business. But you really need to know how to better anticipate and navigate these disruptions and the volatility. You were just talking about, we were just talking about how uh, the chips are now, you know, being built. Uh, the, the sources for all of these components are changing from offshore to nearshore to onshore. Um, and the organizations really need to be much smarter and build more agile uh, supply chains. And according to IBM, the first step towards this is they call it continuous intelligent planning or CIP. Hmm. Um, this approach integrates business planning with continuous and collaborative planning using artificial intelligence and its augmented capabilities. So CIP, uh, these capabilities complement all of the other enterprise solutions, things like ERP, and it can sense and respond to the market changes that affect the supply chain, all right? Mm. So with this demand planning, CIP can help address the challenges around visibility and forecasting, workflows, and, and collaboration. In fact, I, I learned a lot uh, 
because in in the recent uh, couple of weeks, because the next Digital Transformers, I'll be joined by Rob Cushman, the IBM worldwide leader of supply chain transformation, and Debbie Powell, the digital transformation leader at IBM Systems Supply Chain. So this is Man. this is IBM's own supply chain, and the IBM consultant team is helping them transform. So they're going to discuss on the show how smart leaders are turning to what they call the new trifecta of hybrid cloud, data, and artificial intelligence in order to navigate out of this supply chain chaos that we'll find ourselves in. So uh, just level set with, with three people out there that haven't heard of Digital Transformers yet. Uh, it's Kevin's, <laughs> it is Kevin's highly successful podcast. It's part of the Supply Chain Now family of uh, programming. And I'll tell you, uh, he's really hit it out of the park. So he just uh, shared that on the next podcast episode we drop, which will, will be um, next week, Kevin. Is that right? Uh, it's the tw- I'm looking at my calendar. The yeah. next to last Friday. Okay, next to last Friday in the month of here in October. Monday, Monday yeah, Monday of this October. Monday, okay. 24th, 24th October. So circle October 24th in your calendars for that conversation with Kevin, uh, Rob, and Debbie. Uh, And I bet, I tell you, Kevin, uh, do you offer any um, (laughs) pre-podcast listing um, homework so that we can, you know, that sounds like quite a um, a brain trust (laughs) for the three of y'all. You know what? Actually, um, last month was Stacy Short, where we, um, uh, we 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 talked about from the ERP uh, side of the uh, ledger, where we talked about um, how SAP and IBM have really been partnered for over fifty years. So, yeah. I mean, ERP feeds the uh, supply chain. So, yeah, yep. check out the. September episode. <laughs> That's was, right. was, was that uh, okay for a plug? That was great. It was great. And so, folks, it's simple. It is very simple. Maybe our production team can drop the direct link in the chat. But, folks, you can look up Digital Transformers wherever you get your podcast from and check out all the past episodes. Or be sure to subscribe so you don't miss these future episodes Kevin's speaking to. Let's do this, uh, Kevin. I think our team... Uh, so the report mm-hmm. that uh, Kevin's re- referencing, y'all can check that out there from our friends at IBM. So do that. Um, and then I want to share a couple of quick comments. So, you know, a second ago, we were talking about putting chips everywhere, including our our proverbial glass of water. John's <laughs> like, hey, now that's a digital transformation. <laughs> Completely agree. And it's coming. I tell you, as we all know, you know, um, this is not a new story, uh, Kevin, mm-hmm. but still, uh, a couple of years ago when I heard this story, it really stopped me in my tracks uh, because L.L. Bean, if you remember, yeah. if you ever had a book bag, maybe from the L.L. Bean company, um, a couple of years ago, I saw a news article where in some of their clothing, they were putting sensors so that they could gather intel and analytics on how it was being used, what temperatures, how often it was being washed, all that stuff. That is remarkable. And, and, and that's not even the cutting edge of where we are. That That's probably two or three years old. So we're going to need a lot more sensors and chips where we're headed, right, Kevin? Sensors, sensors everywhere. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. 
so going back on the automotive side, so Dr. Rhonda said, and she said she's trying to text, but her keypad is sticking. So I'm going to work through uh, any typos here. WD-40, uh, you know. <laughs> I don't need a keypad. No. Don't Dr. Do Rhonda don't says, do <laughs> she says there was an issue with electric cars overheating and batteries being compromised. I know that's not a chip issue, but concerning nevertheless. Agreed. Um, and we've all probably seen different footage of, of that, and hopefully that's something we can get recognized. Hey, Scott, um, have, yeah. you, have you ever driven a Tesla? I have not. Have you? Yes, and I didn't. couldn't even start the damn thing. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> we, I mean, it was so weird because I, I rented a Tesla and um, got in the car. I said, oh, wow, I'm going to be looking good in my, in my brand-new electric vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I, I sat down and I had a little square piece of plastic and up on the screen, there's this, this one big screen, you know, okay. right in the middle of the vehicle. And there was a picture on it. It said, you know, put sort of put the plastic between the two cars, between the two seats. So I took the plastic, I put it down between the two seats. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, take the car, put it down again, the cart, moved it around, moved it around, and, and I'm, I'm just looking, and, and the screen, the little movie kept, you no, know, come on, idiot, put the car, put the car where it belongs. <laughs> so we, I'm there for like, I'm there for like 10 minutes putting the card everywhere, under the seat, on top of the seat, on the dashboard, <laughs> nothing happens. So I, 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 I finally break down, and I get out and I find this attendant and I said, excuse me, I'm, I just can't start this car. <laughs> he sort of looked at me and laughed and he said, let me show you. And he went in there and I swear he put the car in the same spot that I put it and the car just started right up. Really? <laughs> and I said, oh, boy, I mean, it was, it was, it may be a, you know, a half an inch in a difference, you know. And, and I said, well, that's not where the video said. And he said, yeah, I know. It's a little off. <laughs> that's just one of the few times, the handful of times in your career that you have not had the magic touch, Kevin L. Jackson. <laughs> just one of handful of times. Just caution. Cautionary tale when you drive mm. a Tesla. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's really it's, it's fascinating uh, as we've all watched the SpaceX launches. And, you know, Kevin, you know, of course, yeah. you worked at NASA. Uh, but I think there's a great parallel here because if you look at, if you remember the inside of the shuttle program, right, the where the uh, pilot and co-pilot sat and, and everyone can kind of remember all the complexity and all the buttons and knobs. And I mean, it was just, it'd blow your mind. And then you look at SpaceX and you look at what the pilot and co-pilot has yeah. of how, just how it's been streamlined and simplified. And, and there's a lot of that. That's coming to global industry, whether it's automobiles or even running global supply chains, right? right Kevin, right. your quick thoughts there. Well, you 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 brought up uh, SpaceX. Uh, you know, you know, they just had a launch, right? Uh, earlier this year, back to the um, uh, space station. But um, and you talk about how great they are with all the details and advancing technology. But did you know that the last launch, they screwed up the NASA meatball? Really? <laughs> for known for 
I'm going to ask Catherine to put that in the chat, but uh, the link in the chat. But they actually screwed up the NASA decal decal oh. on the side <laughs> <laughs> on the side of the rocket. So uh, everyone's having a little laugh about that one. <laughs> it's the hey, it's the simple things that can trip it's you up. It's like messing up that can come and, and bite you in the butt, right? It's <laughs> like messing with the Nike swoosh, <laughs> yeah. right? Or um, I don't know the Apple uh, uh, Apple the logo. Apple, I don't know Apple Apple <laughs> the Apple Apple. Couple other quick comments here, uh, Simon. Hey, so great to have you back. It's been too long. So Simon says uh, we touched on sustainability earlier. Supply chain, Simon says, account for more than eighty percent of greenhouse gas um, uh, emissions and more than ninety percent of the impact on air, land, water, biodiversity, and geological resources. Now, Simon, I appreciate you sharing that because when I think about that, I'll, I'll sit down with Scott Case with the National Retail Federation, uh, Kevin. This was mm-hmm. back in February of this year. We're in Vegas with the RLA uh, conference. And as we we're talking about kind of what Simon's mentioning, yeah. he goes, he goes, Scott, supply chains do whatever we tell them to do, right? <laughs> and there's so much truth. I mean, it's, 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 it's a simple thought, but there's so much truth there. Yeah. Uh, and Simon, as you know, pointed out so much opportunity there as well, once we change those inputs so we can attack those numbers you mentioned there, Simon. Kevin, your quick thoughts there? That's why we need more artificial intelligence. The regular mm. normal intelligence is not cutting it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> real AI, really, real AI. Um, now, Jenny, Jenny's going back to your fourth item here, uh, mm-hmm. Kevin. You're touching on this continuous uh, intelligent or bi- business yes. planning. And Jenny says, big fan of continuous supply chain uh, planning, not a set it and forget it in this constantly changing environment. So Ron Popeil, he sold plenty of set it, forget it toaster ovens, <laughs> but that doesn't apply uh, in not so many different ways chain. to global supply chain. Not yet, at least. All right. So, uh, Dr. Rhonda really enjoyed your relatable uh, story there with Tesla. I look forward <laughs> I look forward to my first Tesla rod and hey, the Cracker Jack production team has dropped that NASA decal <laughs> or, or logo mistake in the chat. Y'all check that out. Okay. So Kevin, we have shot through uh, all four stories that we were going to tackle here today. We've talked, we talked about some space nerd stuff because I think both of you are both of us rather yeah. are big space nerds. I know I am. Um, it's, it's fascinating to see what it continues to come out of James Webb uh, project. And also yeah, a lot of good stuff. They're, they're um, putting or leveraging Hubble uh, with the James Webb. And it's just given so much more additional uh, insight. That's right. Um, and speaking about Hubble, they're now looking at uh, using a, a SpaceX capsule to uh, boost Hubble so that instead of deorbiting in the uh, uh, late in, in 19 uh, in 2030, they may yeah. have to be able to keep it up for another 10 years. Uh, that, wow. I mean, that's really would be worth it. I uh, absolutely agree. It, and to your point, it, it has been interesting. And y'all, y'all indulge us for a second here about some space nerd talk. It's really interesting as, as the web has come online mm-hmm. and have dropped all sorts of thought provoking and, and, um, you know, science-changing science uh, knowledge. Yeah. It's like the Hubble team has embraced the challenge and, want, and, and wants to remain as 
highly relevant, highly relevant as always. It's like they've stepped up their efforts at Hubble. Yeah, it's a it's a great competition for the front. Yes, I love it. That. Really is. I do too, and and I look forward to learning a lot more about how uh, how we could get another ten years with Hubble because Hubble has changed our understanding on so many fundamental levels. And as Webb continues, you know, um, as teams around the globe really have gotten their scheduled study slots with the Webb uh, Space yep. Telescope, it'll have the same impact, but probably by an order of who knows, ten or a hundred. We'll see. So when you uh, come up in. Uh up to D.C. and visit me, Scott. Um, you're flying to Dallas. There's a tunnel underneath uh, underneath Dallas. I don't know if you've been in that airport recently, but they have people movers down there, and on each side, they have these huge pictures of Hubble, um, Hubble pictures on both sides of the of the walkway for about uh, half a mile. It's really, it's a, really? a fascinating walkway. We're going to make that happen. And, you know, we'll have one more thing when the Artemis, uh, I don't have that new launch date from the Artemis, but that, you know, that'll be fascinating to watch. Yeah. Well, that'll be the world's largest rocket, if I'm not mistaken. That's bigger than yeah. the um, bigger Saturn, than Saturn, right? Five. Yeah, it's big. Yeah, bigger than Saturn five. Wow. Um, Alejandra says, my husband and I love all things space and would love to work in supply chain in any of the companies that work with space-related projects. Well, Alejandra, you're in, um, there's some good news for you because space supply chain will only continue to grow, especially as more commercial and private companies get involved in all the cool things uh, taking place in space. And that will require, as we all know, lots of supply chain know-how. Kevin. So Amanda, write that down. We're going to have to have a space supply chain special. Yes, that's right. That is right. I love that idea. Great. Well, and and uh, some folks may not know you, Kevin, and we've talked about <laughs> it in just about every conversation you and I have been on. But you actually spent time on what what NASA project went to Pluto that you yeah, were part? Yeah, that was the New Horizon. That was a payload that I, I worked on. So uh, it, it was great. We I'd, I'd worked on some early payload processing systems this one called EPIC for the Atlas uh, launch vehicle. And we processed the uh, New Horizon spacecraft. And it's kind of weird because you, you know, you make sure all, you know, all the T's are crossed and I's a dot, check all the blocks, right? And you uh, you button up the, uh, the, the bird and, the, and the, it launches, they lit the candle, it goes, but you don't know if anything works for like 10 years. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and, that uh, is... So we're sitting there 10 years later, and, and the, the spacecraft it only has like, you know, it's like less than 30 minutes in the flyby. Um, and you're just crossing your fingers, hoping that what you did 10 years ago actually worked. And the camera comes on, and it starts taking pictures, and it was just, ah, it was just wonderful. Uh, that you is know, awesome. You know, so... Uh, uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I worked on the sh on shuttle uh, uh, projects also, along with that. Really? Yeah, that was another life, another time. <laughs> well, we'll have to dive into that. Um, I'll tell y'all uh, on a more somber note. The Challenger. There's a Netflix. I think a seven part documentary on the, the Challenger disaster on Netflix, and it is it is must see 
compelling. Uh, they interview the uh, astronauts' family. Uh, they really walk through kind of uh, what took place and and how it impacted not just NASA but the U.S. Mm-hmm. and really global, you know, the global space community. So check that out. I think it's called The Final Flight uh, on Netflix. It is it Netflix. It is um, just in, uh, in remarkable. Um, okay, so Kevin. Yes. On a much lighter note, uh, I want to talk about blockchain for a minute. Okay. Um, we had, I'm going to pop this up here. So you and I joined our friends at TNS, NSSX, and Dealbox for yeah. a webinar. This was back uh, about a month ago. In fact, um, I, and just, it was really- I was just, yeah, I was just in Las Vegas at the Mobile World Congress with uh, uh, Jameson and John. Really? Yeah. Well, really enjoyed how, the, so we touched on a lot of different things on this webinar. And and by the way, folks, you can sign up for the replay on demand and our team will drop that link in the chat. But it really focused on a couple of different business models that's really leveraging blockchain in a very practical and powerful way. Uh, so if you're if you're a big fan of practical case studies, this is this is your jam here. But Kevin, what was one of your favorite components of this conversation here? So I mean, it's a great discussion with Jameson and John. Jameson is from, he's the CEO of NSSX, and they are actually helping veterans uh, with their medical claims. I know many of you have heard about the. Uh, water problems at Camp Lejeune, how uh, the Marines that were stationed there and, and their families really were poisoned by, by the yep. water there. So he, he, there's uh, like uh, $40 billion have been set aside uh, for our, our veterans. So he's helping the veterans wow. um, go through all that, that paperwork. And uh, Jonathan, uh, John uh, Alvarado of, of Dealbox, uh, his company does uh, what's known as investment packaging. You probably okay. it's kind of a arcane art, but if you are an entrepreneur, you're starting a company, and you you go out to try to get capital, investors. Well, those investors want to know a bit about your company if you know what you're doing right before they give you money so you have to package up all that information and that process is investment packaging well it's kind of it's really unique though they are both using the tns new ucid service that's built on blockchain it's called Mm. the universal communication identifier you, NSSX uses it to track the insurance claims, and Dealbox applies the technology to the due diligence process for raising capital, this investment pack, packaging uh, process. But in both cases, the UCID is used to record transactions associated with the documentation. All mm. this is paper. And if you're just using paper, it could get lost. It could There could be mistakes. Um, you may not have all the right pieces of paper. And you know, if you've ever dealt with insurance companies, just <laughs> one wrong sentence, one wrong missing piece right. of paper, it's all go back to, you know, <laughs> do not pass go. <laughs> go directly to jail. <laughs> <Go to jail. laughs> It's so true. Yeah. 
But the UCID can be used to verify documents and keep track of changes um, and use digital signatures uh, to, um, to keep that in line. Yep. On the so folks, that's right. Folks in our audience that may be entrepreneurs uh, in the supply chain tech space or really just any in-to-end global supply chain community, yep. uh, check out that deal box uh, in particular, which may be able to help your uh, due diligence uh, components of your fundraising. Uh, and we've already dropped a link. Y'all can check out the on-demand uh, webinar there from our friends at TNS uh, that Kevin and I are talking about. So check that out. Um, okay. So one of the last things I want to share here today, Kevin, is uh, let me see if I can pull this up here. So this is over the weekend we published, I think this is our, our seventh edition of with that said, it's <laughs> our LinkedIn title, newsletter. Well, um, I, I do too. And I tell you, <laughs> we don't leave too much unsaid around here. Do we, Kevin? I know. Even when you're supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, but I'm, I'm sharing this graphic here and uh, we may can drop the link in the chat. I'm, I'm surprising our production team with this, but we had, we had a couple minutes. This goes out once a week. And we have almost 16,000 subscribers right at it, where it looks like we're uh, uh, 72 away from 16,000. But um, oh, it's really growth. no kidding. And in, in basically seven weeks' time. Yeah. So this past weekend, we focused on one of the things we touched on, Kevin, was uh, Delta Airlines, because the day this published was basically the birthday of the first CEO of Delta Airlines. Oh. I'm going to share just. Two quick things here that I didn't know. Um, number one, um, when, I, when I, I've always thought that Delta, like the company name, yeah. really referred to um, the Delta between their service levels and and Anyone other. Anyone else's? Uh -huh. But it's not. It, it actually, uh, their roots initially, uh, they were formed in Georgia, the okay. predecessor to Delta. They moved the company to Louisiana and served the Mississippi Delta area. Oh. Hence. The name. That's the name. Okay. Right. Uh, and then one other tidbit that I picked up um, is had there had there not been the bull weevil uh, epidemic uh, back in the 20s that really decimated uh, southeastern farms, mm -hmm. uh, and it grew a crop dusting aviation company to one, you know they they end up having about 18 aircraft and what, what at the time was the world's largest private fleet of aircraft. Huh. Well, it was all focused on the eradicating the, the boll weevil. weevil. So, had the boll weevil not had, had that epidemic not uh, taken place, the company that um, that would eventually grow into you know Delta Airlines, the second largest uh, airlines company in the world, that might not have happened. So, I guess in some weird way, uh, I guess we got to give a, a high five to the boll weevil. For creating, for creating one of the world's largest airlines, right? That was probably one of the first great examples of transformation of a company really mm. transforming themselves from killing bow weevils to flying <laughs> us around the world. Isn't that crazy? It's <laughs> so funny how history works there. But all of that said, with that said, y'all check out our newsletter. Um, you'll find it on the Supply Chain Now Company page on our LinkedIn profile. It should be an easy way to kind of opt in and subscribe. We publish it right now every Saturday morning. We're still kind of tweaking the cadence and the time frames. But uh, if there's content 
any content ideas you have that you'd like to see in that kind of more casual viewing, hey, let us know. We'd love to take your suggestions. Yeah, you know, Greg really um, lets it out, lets it hang out there. I, mean, I, I would say it lets his hair out there, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kevin, we got to give a shout. You know, I, I'm bad about this. We should give a shout out to Greg, uh, Greg White, who is uh, traveling. I believe his Kansas City Chiefs are taking on. Um, Oh, they're playing tonight on Monday Night Football. So, uh, uh, Kevin. Commanders lost um, against Titans. Uh, really? Yeah. We're in I'm a rebuilding talk- phase, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> That's never fun. That is never fun. Well, Jenny. Jenny says, I learned my something new today about Delta Airlines. Hey, my, me and you both, I'll tell you, uh, it, it's fascinating when you go back to kind of peeling the layers of the onion back about some of the largest companies and brands around that you think you know about, and then you uncover some some interesting uh, elements to their story. Um, okay, so Kevin, yes. as we wrap here on the Supply Chain Buzz, we've dropped all the links to the stories that you and I have chatted through here today. Uh, looks like our team dropped the link too with that said. The LinkedIn newsletter we started about two months ago, so y'all check that out. Um, Kevin, uh, we've got the upcoming episode with Digital Transformers and IBM team coming up on October 24th. That will be interesting. Where can folks go and uh, how can they connect with you and all the cool things you're up to, Kevin? Well, actually, you can connect to me right here on the bus (laughs) (laughs) the third Monday of every month. Although, like I said, this, this month I'm on... The 10th, the 17th, um, and then we drop the next episode with IBM on Digital Transformers uh, on the 24th. But as always, I'm on SupplyChainNow.com. You can catch me on uh, Twitter uh, and on uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram. So uh, I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. (laughs) It's a a shorter list of where folks can't find one Kevin L. Jackson. Well, hey, uh, I really appreciate um, you filling in today uh, for uh, Greg White. Always a pleasure collaborating. I can't fill his shoes, but I'll try. (laughs) Well, I just said collaborating. It's not collaborating. (laughs) It's co-creating. Co-creating, yes. All right, I gotta I gotta learn that uh, and swap out those words for for good. But Kevin, thank you very much here today. No, thank you, sir. Thank you. I really enjoyed being with you. Well, so don't go anywhere just yet. I want to thank our production team. Uh, I tell you, they're they were on. Um, um, they're ready to go today. They were kind of, I bet they were kind of reading our minds where we were going. So thank you all for dropping those resources. Chantel, Amanda, Catherine, you name it. Uh, big thanks to all the folks. Uh, in the cheap seats, uh, sharing comments here today. I know we couldn't get to all of them, but really appreciate that. And y'all check out the newsletter. Make sure you check out Digital Transformers wherever you get your podcasts, as well as Supply Chain Now, uh, where we publish at Supply Chain Now Monday through Friday. You'll find something new in your your um, podcast inbox. But whatever you do, hey, on behalf of Kevin and our entire Supply Chain Now team, Scott Luton, challenging you here on on National Indigenous Day. Hey, let's lift up and celebrate folks from all walks of life that have contributed to where we are here today. Um, but Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. And on that note, see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. See you. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. 
Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.